All right, good morning, Emmanuel family. How many love Jesus today? You love him? I know there were a whole bunch of ladies that loved Jesus on Friday for our sisterhood event. It was pretty crazy. I, uh, I snuck in and I saw some of the, the video and, the, and uh, I took my own video. I took my phone out and I was like blown away by the energy level of the sisterhood family and uh, just all the ladies that got together heard a powerful word from Lisa Seaton. But the powerful thing is what happened seat to seat, person to person, and the joy of the Lord was in the house. Give it up for all the ladies from sisterhood and each of our locations. So exciting. Uh, big shout out to everybody that today you're worshiping with us in Lakeville or Elk River, Maple Grove, Spring Lake Park or joining online. So excited to step into today's message. The title of my message is this, Fuel for Vision. Fuel for Vision. Now, early on in our marriage, Jody and I were learning to trust each other. I mean, you know that happens. You learn to do that. And together, we were learning to trust in God with everything. It was a process, though. We had bought a house, and we both worked, but we couldn't afford much. And uh, our days were long. We would we would come home and do projects on our house, ripping carpet and sanding the floor and repainting the cupboards and the walls and the trim. Yes, that was Jody and I <laughs> back in the day. And uh, we just, we, you know, long days. And we had both been taught rightly that we were responsible to work hard, to give our best. And we were wiped out. We were broke and we were learning to trust God. It would have been great to win the lottery. How many still dream of that once in a while? But the struggle actually had purpose. We were growing in our understanding and trust. And then we had a baby. And now we had all kinds of questions on how to figure out how to juggle everything. One night, as we were dealing with and grappling and bills and all of that, Jody came to me after praying, and she felt like the Lord was saying that she needed to quit her job and stay home. That meant essentially that we would be cutting our income in half and we were now jumping on the struggle bus. We had internal battles of trust. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. And during that time, Jody prayed something like, God, if you really care about us, can you, can we like get some, other people get like a gas grill? And she didn't tell anybody that. It was literally, she was actually frustrated in the middle of the night and uh, we just turned it to God and didn't think anything of it. Gas grill's not essential for living, but it was like one of those, man, that would be a cool moment. Now, then we, one morning, we opened the door outside, and on our doorstep was a box, a gas grill, that said, from Jesus. <laughs> that was a moment for us in our trust journey that our job was not our provider, but God was our provider. We hadn't told anybody it. Jody likes to say now that God is moving from Jody Jaira to Jehovah Jaira. And there was a shift in us. That one answered prayer fueled our belief that God was at work in our life and we could trust that He was building our family. 
And if we could learn to keep trusting him and keep checking in, he would provide what we would need. They had two kids. And then we had three kids. And that was like outnumbered. We went from man to man to zone defense as parents. And then we had our fourth kid. And once that came in, we had to keep learning to trust. How many know the struggles continue? It's not just one thing. It's learning to continue to check in and trust in God. See, the Father in heaven was listening to our prayer. And he will give us exactly what we need when we need it. And we trust in the scripture in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. And we've been looking at the algorithms of prayer that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer. So that we can pray powerful prayers just like Jesus. Turn to the person next to you and tell them you can pray a powerful prayer. That's what we're trusting in. Jesus laid it out in answer to his disciples' request. Lord, teach us to pray. And his response was, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now we've been looking at the algorithms of Jesus' prayer hidden in this. The first one we looked at was person, which is our Father. Then we looked at power, which is what? In heaven. Then praise, hallowed or praised be your name. And then purposes, one of the purposes of God, your kingdom come and your will be done. Think about that, the possession. I, I skipped possessed, didn't I? Possess and then, then his, his purpose and then the palace was last week on earth as it is in heaven. Today is our algorithm number seven, provision. He says, give us today our daily bread. Say that with me. Give us today our daily bread. Now in his model prayer, Jesus is essentially saying, when you talk, talk to the Father, what are you going to do? You can request and tell him you are checking in for something very specific, what you need today. It's okay to talk to God about what you need. This isn't just about long-term dreams. It's also about today. You're supposed to look to the Father for what you will need. The definition for the word give is to freely transfer the possession of something to someone, to hand it over. Give us. In other words, hand it over. We want what you have to give. And Jesus positions the Father as the one giving it, or the provider. There are a lot of other candidates to, to be our provider. In life, we can look to ourself, we can look to our parents, we can look to our job, we can look to the government, we can look to the market, we can look to friends, but the Father is the one to, work to look to as our provider. And he specifically says, give us. Not just give me my daily bread, but give us. That means that you are connected to other people in the prayer context. 
When you talk, you're not just talking for yourself, but you're bringing others with you. Anyone that you worry about, God the Father is their provider too. And remember that this is a prayer when praying, don't forget to bring everyone into your prayer. This is especially essential for parents because sometimes we worry about our kids. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today. How many of you have worried about your kids? Even your grown kids, your adult kids. But we can, we can find ourselves when we feed our kids when they're little, we pop a bottle in their mouth, we spoon feed them, we change their diapers, we do things for them, we do the laundry, we cook the food, we take care of them, we become Uber drivers to take them from place to place to place, to game to game to game, to events and after event. And we can find ourselves being the provider. So when they go outside the scope of our home, or they go to school, or they graduate and they move off somewhere, or they get married, we can tend to still view ourselves as responsible to provide for them. But you are not the provider. You're not the provider. You know who the provider is? The Father's the provider. And remember that when you start your day and you begin your prayer, when you have worries, I am not the provider. He's the provider. And they need him more than they need me. Give us today. Today. Today is a defined sense of time. It's not yesterday, it's not tomorrow, it's today. The Father takes everyone on a journey of learning to stay tethered into this day. He teaches people that. If you look at the scripture, how many have your, your Bibles? Hold them up right now. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. Even the electronic versions, okay? I've been saying, and I'm gonna keep saying it, get yourself a paper Bible. Because digitally, they're changing things. They're moving around. If they don't like a particular scripture, they might eliminate it. Get yourself a paper Bible. It's an important thing to have. And by the way, if you don't bring your Bible to church, I wonder if you're reading it at home. This should be an easy place to bring your Bible. Just say, Pastor Nate, get off my toes. Get off my toes. Well, listen, we should be able to read the word. Stay tethered to it. Now, if you think back in the Old Testament, the grand narrative of how God spoke and created the people Israel, he took them on a journey. And of course, we start in Genesis and we, we begin to see what happens with Abraham and his family and his lineage. And it moves down to, to Isaac and then Jacob and Jacob's name changed to Israel. And then there's these 12 sons. And then eventually the story of Joseph, they land in Egypt because there's a famine throughout the whole known world. Well, they stayed, Israel stays in Egypt and for the next 430 years, they stay in this foreign land. And over time, there's a, a drift away from God being the provider, Yahweh being their leader. And now it becomes Pharaoh is the one that feeds them. Pharaoh is the one that takes care of them. And yes, they're in slavery, but they're in slavery and they still depend on the one who enslaves them. 
And so God wants to take his people out of Egypt and move them toward the promised land. And there's this grand epic story in the book of Exodus where God takes the people out of Egypt and crosses over the Red Sea on dry land. And then they land out into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is this space between Egypt, their place of enslavement, and the promised land. And they have to spend 40 years out in the wilderness. Have you ever wondered, God, why didn't you just take them right away? And the, the reason is that God needed to bring a, a, a mental shift, a perspective shift to not just Israel in general that they got rescued, but now they needed to learn to depend on God for everything every single day. And so God utilized the wilderness to wean the people of Israel from depending on Pharaoh and then to begin to depend on God instead. They got out into the wilderness and they did not have anything to eat. How many of you can't go a few hours without eating? And so God provides this stuff called manna and they would find it in the morning they would collect the manna, they would eat the manna, it would sustain them. If they tried to store the manna, the manna would spoil. So they had to get it fresh every single day. Their supply, their dependency had to be on God every single day. And step by step, whining, complaining, all the stuff at moments where the people of Israel literally wanted to go back to Egypt, back to being enslaved. All that time, God was weaning them from that that controlled them before he rescued them. You know, there's something parallel in our own journey of following God. In our own history, perhaps you have a, a storyline where you are dependent on yourself because you were told when you were growing up, you need to, you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need to work hard and you need to, you are the one. And that works really great when you're on the climb and successful. You can begin to forget though later on that it was God that provided you all of your opportunities along the way. Don't forget, it was the Lord your God who delivered you from the land of Egypt and brought you across on dry ground across the Red Sea, God would say to Israel. Don't forget when you get your house and you get your, your crops and you get your livestock and everything continues to, and your, your stock account, your, your retirement fund keeps going up and your business is climbing. Don't forget it was God that got you there. Don't forget it. And he was saying to the people of Israel, listen, you are to learn to depend on me. And by the way, that means when things change and the, the, maybe your job is eliminated or something doesn't go right or the transmission goes out on the car and you don't have enough money, when you're in the middle of the, the pain and you don't know how to pay the bills, remember that it's Jesus that provides. God uses the time in our deserts to get our attachment to Pharaoh out of us. Exodus 16 so the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. And they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. 
Now, Jesus picks this up, this idea of trusting in God in Matthew chapter 6, when he says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows how many of your needs, all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Somebody said amen to that. See, worry is an issue of trust in the provider. Anxiety is carrying responsibility for something God can give us. Let me say that again. Anxiety is carrying the responsibility for something that God can give us. It says, give us today. Everybody said today. today. Our daily, that word daily, Jesus assumes that it is every day, that is not erratic, that it's not occasional. It's not just at Christmas and Easter. It's not just when you're in big trouble, but every single day. It's like brushing your teeth. I assume you all brush your teeth every day. Or taking a shower. I sure hope you're taking a shower every day. Or checking Instagram every minute. Whatever it may be, it's to be regular that we trust in God. He says, give us today our daily bread. Now we get to the word bread. When you think about bread, bread is a staple for survival, especially in the ancient world. It's universal worldwide. We need something in our tummy to keep us moving. And everyone could understand what Jesus was saying with bread. But I want you to understand that Jesus thought more of bread than just maybe what we might be thinking about. Because bread was significant to him. He says in other passages, I am the bread of life. Jesus refers to himself as essential to everyone for our everyday and when he was feeding the 5,000 people, he was also teaching his disciples a lesson. Because he said, hey, they, they said, we, we got a problem. The people need to eat. My family needs to eat. The people around me need supplies. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. And they looked at him like, what? You're the miracle worker? He says, well, give me what you got. And so they bring the bread and the fish, and they bring it to Jesus and Jesus does something as a model for the disciples that they would apply to other leadership areas of their life later on. He took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and then he gave it away. And those four things he will do with your life as well. He will take us as bread, which is a metaphor for a life, and he will allow us to go through a blessing. And how many know when God blesses you, it takes the curse of our past out and establishes our new future. And when Jesus comes in and he establishes the new future in our stories, something powerful can happen. But then we still have to go through brokenness. In order to eat, we got to break the bread. Sometimes there's struggle. Maybe there's challenge. There's resistance. And in the resi resistance, in the pain, it's the place where God uses to reveal his glory in our life. If you never went through anything difficult, if you never went through struggle, you would never experience the full glory of God. 
It's the pain of life that God releases his power in. And then, of course, if we're willing to be broken or if we're willing to surrender, God takes who we are and he gives it away. And he does a miracle through our lives. For Jesus, bread is significant. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus does this with his disciples and he wants to do it with us. Even Jesus in his own story was tested with bread. You remember when he went into the wilderness and while he was out in the wilderness and he was fasting and he prayed, the enemy, Satan, came to him and whispered to him and said, turn these stones into what? Bread. You're hungry for something. Just do it. And Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's noteworthy that Jesus has talked about food. In John chapter 4, Jesus shares a really important revelation that I want you to see that is really important to understand his prayer. In John chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work, from finishing his work. In other words, Jesus had fuel, but his fuel wasn't just daily bread like we would think of the physical bread. It was connected to purpose. When Jesus came to the earth from day one, he knew what he came to the earth for. He came to the earth to go to the cross. And in between his birth and the moment that he died on the cross, everywhere he went, he was on mission from the Father. He would check in and go to prayer, and then he would come out of prayer, and he would go from place to place. He was on a daily mission to do what the Father wanted him to do. How many know the Father cares about his kids? And not only does he care about his kids, but he sends his kids to reach his other kids. In other words, you and I are born with a mission just like Jesus. Jesus knew his why. And he knew he had to go in for daily fueling or refueling in order to accomplish the purposes that God put him on the planet for. He knew his why. Mission is your why. The vision is the picture of where you're headed. And mission and vision are a huge deal for your prayer life. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the King James Version says, without vision, people perish. They give up. They abandon hope. They lose restraint, other versions say. They essentially say, who cares what I do today? And whatever happens, happens. But for the child of God, we are born with a purpose. And our life has a way of reducing our days to survival and lacking that vision. And I want to just pull you back in it. When you're praying, give us today our daily bread. You're not just praying, help me survive today, Lord. Although that's an entirely valid thing for many of us at different seasons of our life. But we are also praying, God, give me what I need so I can accomplish what you put me on the planet to do in the first place. Vision gives passion. 
when Jody and I were dating and I lived downtown Minneapolis and she lived in Blaine and I had cars that just simply didn't work. My 1980 Olds Omega, I've shared it before, but that was an incredible car and an incredible miracle anytime it worked. I had thumbtacks holding the carpet and the ceiling in. The, we had a bungee cord holding my door in. The, the defrost didn't work in the middle of winter. I had to scrape the inside of the windshield. And yet, while I was downtown in Minneapolis and Jody was in Blaine and it was minus 15 degrees in January, I got in my car. I did what was necessary to get that car moving. Sometimes I had to put a pencil in the carburetor to get it to, to start, to keep that thing open. And I remember I would, I would do everything I could to get out to Blaine to see Jody. That's because I had vision. And that vision gave me a passion to live it out. It, gave, it gives reasons for discipline. Vision will give you a reason to say no to some things and yes to others. Uh, we have a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers in our church. Shout out to our youth pastors and all the youth leaders on Team Emmanuel. You guys are doing an amazing job. But one thing we know that that, that there's growth and progression in a, a little boy's understanding of why they need to take a shower more than once a week. And I can recall that, that over time, the teenagers that I worked with and, you know, we were trying in sixth grade to get them to wear deodorant sometimes. And sometimes we're just, hey, let's, let's uh, take a shower. And I remember there was a big significant change. Moms, you might be trying to get your kid to brush their teeth and trying to get them to clean up. And, and then the one day that they start noticing girls and now all of a sudden they, they want to brush their teeth four times a day. They want to take three showers in a day. They're looking at their hair for the first time in their life in the mirror. And it's just vision. Vision provides urgency. You know, if you feel like your job is just filling bags of dirt, there's not a whole lot of urgency or passion or anything to it until you find out that bag of dirt is for the flood. And they're filling bags of dirt so they can stack them up to keep the river from going into your house. How about you fill that bag a little bit different? There's a little bit of urgency to what you have in prayer. Prayer requires vision. You are significant. God puts you on the planet for a reason. Psalm 139 says that while you were still in your mother's womb, God was there shaping and forming you, kind of putting together who you would become. It even says in there, there's a calendar he was writing out for you, and you are living out the calendar today that God put in you when you were in your mother's womb. And when you pray, you are reconnecting to God's Wi-Fi to receive the fuel, the vision for today's mission, your get up and go, your reason to do it. And God's provision or his fuel will sustain you today and provide the capacity to persevere when you don't see what's going on. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by faith, not by sight. 
that vision. This week, uh, I was talking to a business owner in our church who started his business in 1997. And he didn't know how big his business would get, but he wrote down the things that he wanted to do. If you ever started a business, you wrote out a business plan or you thought about what would happen in the future. So he wrote it out and he brought it in and I got to see that actual original document. And he wanted to employ people and he wanted to take care of, of single parent families with special services. That was in 97 before he owned a single thing. But then he worked, went to work every single day, trusting in God through all of the various recessions of our economy and the changes in the market, learning the skills, learning from others so that his business could grow, so that his vision could be accomplished. And early on, I pastored and encouraged him to follow a principle or an algorithm to write his vision down. And he pulled from Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. It says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so you may run who reads it. And the idea was, is that if you write it out, you have something to run with, something to live with, something to pursue, something to share, a passion, a vision, something to chase after, to write it down. Well, let me ask a question as you look at your life today. What is the vision for your life? What do you see? What do you see for your marriage? What did you hope it would be? And where are you at today? You can't do anything about yesterday, but where do you want it to go from here? What about for your career? Where do you want to go from here? What do you see in that? Not just to get a promotion, but why do you want a promotion? What are you going to do with the promotion? Not just to get more things, but what would you do with the things that you got or more? Do you want to see a restoration of broken relationships? Do you want to see things put back together again? Do you want to see a certain group of people find true biblical justice in your community? What is it for your family, for your kids? Leaders and business owners can write their vision out, learn to trust God daily. Today, I'm going to ask you to take out these seats at each of our locations. It's God's vision for my life. I'm not going to ask you to turn this in at all, but I'd like for you to write down the things that you see for those areas of your life that you're thinking about, because this is critical to your prayer. Give us today our daily bread isn't just saying, help me survive, but help me pursue this. Where am I going? What do I see? What am I drawn to? What is the thing that I was put on the planet to do? Where do I go? And listen, it doesn't matter what age you are. I was looking through my photos and my desktop yesterday, and I saw a picture uh, and a video of Pastor Cyrus, who's not with Jesus, at his 90th birthday party. And he still had vision for his future. There's no expiration date to vision, folks. 
Sometimes it needs to be updated, and sometimes you need to request from God, what are you saying to me? But write those things down. Where do you see things going with your kids? Yes, right now they're three, five, and seven years old, but in 10 years, they're going to be 13, 15, and 17. What do you want them to look like? Because I guarantee you today, you need what God can give you, the, the fuel he can give you, so that you can be the parent they need to get there. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Today, I want to encourage you, later on, you can write it out. You can begin to write some of those thoughts out. Just put words on there. But you put the frame in there. Listen, when it's a vision, it compels you to move towards something. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your mirror. Put it somewhere where you go every day. Give us today our daily bread. Consider what would it mean when you open the fridge? Do I just need my iced coffee? Or do I also need the fuel from heaven? Yes, you're going to face obstacles. You're going to face difficulties. You're going to face things you don't want to face. But how many know God knows exactly what you need today? His grace is sufficient. He has a capacity to build up the weak and strengthen those who feel like they can't go on. Praying daily, we would be able to stay on mission like Jesus did when he said, my fuel, my bread, my food is to do the will of my Father. Give me today what I need to step into your purposes, Lord. As a church, Emmanuel, we can pray, God, for everyone to know Jesus, to live with purpose and to grow together. Help us to fulfill the mission of our church. And when we pray, give us today our daily bread. We're checking in with the provider, the one who gives us exactly what we need to own this day. But if people perish without vision, the vision perishes without provision. In other words, you can't just have vision. You got to have provision. In order to do what you, if you just rely on your own strength, how many know we fail? We fail on our own. But those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength, will walk and not grow weary, run. This is the thing. We can't take a step without getting the fuel we need to step into the mission and the vision that God has for our lives. Yesterday is gone, and we have to let it go. And we need to embrace what God is calling us to do today. In order to do that, you need to let go of mistakes, let go of loss, let go of disappointment, let go of victory, let go of success. Say, Lord, thank you for what you did, but today I need a fresh touch from you. The master builder is at work, and we're going to the Father saying, give me what I need for today, what I need in this season. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. I'd like you to stand with me today, church. We're going to sing Firm Foundation here in a moment and uh, trust in the Lord. He won't fail, right?
He won't fail. We don't have to worry about that. But I, I want to just say to you today that your life matters no matter what you've walked through and no matter what's happened up to this moment. What God wants to do, you and I both need to be able to say, Lord, give us today our daily bread. No matter what your worry is, your concern is, about the things that you're responsible for, the people that you're responsible for, give us today our daily bread. Say that with me. Give us today our daily bread. You take your uh, little sheet with me right now and I want to pray as a congregation in each of our locations. Hey, Elk River, we got to keep trusting in Jesus today and daily. Maple Grove, we got this only if we're getting our fuel from heaven. We need the fuel for the vision. Hey, Lakeville, we can do this. In Spring Lake Park, we can do this, but we cannot do it on our own. We need him. I want you to take your, your vision and hold it up to God. Can you do that? Like you're just lifting it back up to him. And we're going to pray this way today. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are able. You are able. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, we don't want just survival. We want vision. I pray, God, that you'd awaken vision in people's hearts, that some of us has grown cold through mistakes, through pain, through great disappointment, through loss. Sometimes, God, we stop dreaming because it didn't work out the way we thought it would. I pray, God, that you'd help us to let go of yesterday and embrace what you want to do. A fresh infusion of vision. A Lord, that thing that was there before everything went wrong. Lord, when we were in our mother's womb, you spoke into our lives and you have a capacity to hover over formless things just as you did in Genesis. When you hovered over the waters of the earth, before anything was created. And Holy Spirit, you created something out of nothing. And I pray, God, that you would create something out of nothing in our lives. That you would give us vision and purpose and value. And Lord, we would be more than survivors, more than just holding on. We would have a reason to live each and every single day. Let it happen, we pray. And then we pray, God, that whatever anyone needs, I pray, God, that you would provide it. We lift up to you our kids. We lift up to you some of us, our grandkids, some of us, our friends, our sisters, our family, our co-workers, our schools. We lift them to you. And we say, Lord, don't just give Emmanuel who is gathered on a Sunday morning our daily bread, but everybody connected to us. Every part of our world, we pray. Lord, provide for all our needs, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.